So before we get into it, I used to work in childcare, uh, right? I had a room of two-year-olds. It was heaps of fun. They were really great. Um, but one day I remember particularly, I had a little girl. Um, she came up to me and I was really busy doing something and she said, Miss Ashley, toilet, toilet. And I, I looked at her and I said, yeah, that's fine. You can go to the toilet. Um, you know how to. Off you go. That's okay. Like, I can see you from here. And then I kept doing what I was doing. And then she said to me again, she said, Miss Ashley, toilet, toilet. And I said to her, that's okay, you can go. You don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom. And she just, this repeated over and over again until I actually turned around and looked at her. And she had this look in her eyes as, as she's saying to me, toilet, toilet. And instantly, when I, when I looked at her, when I actually listened to her, I knew something was wrong. <laughs> something in the bathroom is not okay. And um, as sure enough, I then, yeah, looked at the bathroom. I could see it from where I was in the room. And the toilet was, it had obviously been clogged. Uh, and someone had just flushed the button over and over and over. And you can imagine childcare, this toilet was just overflowing into the bathroom. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is what she was trying to tell me. She didn't want to tell me that she needed to go to the toilet. She was trying to warn me that this toilet was broken, it was overflowing, and I needed to clean it up. <laughs> so this often happens in life, right? We think we're listening well. We think we know what people are trying to say to us. We think we understand, but actually we don't. And it causes us to misinterpret, it causes us to misunderstand. Sometimes we can actually get a little bit frustrated because we think we know what they're trying to say to us, but we don't. And this isn't just children to adults, this can be in all situations. And if I'm honest, this can sometimes be our experience with Christmas carols. We hear them all the time, they're on every time you turn the radio on, particularly if you listen to 96.5. They're on every shopping centre that you go to. It is constant during Christmas time. And if we don't really understand what these carols are trying to say to us, if we hadn't, haven't taken the time to listen and to get to know what these carols are saying and where they are rooted in Scripture, we can get frustrated with them, we can become bored by them, um, and we actually don't, yeah, we misinterpret what they're trying to say. And this is my experience with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So this song, it's got lots of these and thous and thines, and that may, might have been great for the 1700s, but for me, I'm like, it just, <laughs> I struggle to understand, right, what, what it's actually trying to say to me. And when this song came on, I would actually skip it on the radio, or I'd, I'd turn it off, or I'd stop listening, because I didn't understand what it was trying to say. It's quite an eerie song. But through getting to know that what this carol is really about, through listening to it and understanding where it's rooted in Scripture and what it is saying, it's actually gone, it's gone from the bottom of my carols list to the top of my songs list, right? So this is one of my favorite carols now. 
And, and this is, I tell you this as, as a bit of a testimony, this is the point of the series that we're going through, um, that these carols, through understanding them, through understanding the scripture, they can become rich and, and of depth in our lives. And yet, yeah, this is why we're going through the Christmas playlist over this, over Christmas time. So a bit of history of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It was written originally in Latin in 1710. It was translated to English in 1851. And the tune that the song goes to actually dates back to the 1400s. So this tune, if you, if you know this song, um, it's quite eerie. It's quite slow, it's a little bit sad. Um, but I think that this tune actually beautifully encapsulates the emotion that the people singing this song should and would be feeling while singing it. So I think we should read the lyrics together this morning. This song's a bit of a, um, bit of a different one, maybe a little bit less well-known. So as a church family, we're gonna read it together and I want it read with gusto. Okay, when we say rejoice, we're going to rejoice, rejoice, okay? So we're ready to go. So verse one should be on the screen. It's, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer, our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh. To us the path of knowledge show, and cause us in her way to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, desire of nations bind, in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease, and be thyself our king of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Thank you, David, for, for your gusto. I appreciate it. <laughs> Isn't it funny to say a song that you normally sing? You almost want to say, Emmanuel. Uh, shall come to the Israel. <laughs> anyway, did well, well done. So what do we see here in this carol? This song obviously, or maybe not so obviously, comes from the view of people who are waiting and longing for someone to come. O come, O come, is repeated over and over and over again. We are longing and waiting for someone to come. And these people, they are captive, they are mourning, they are lonely, they are in gloom and darkness, they are longing and waiting for wisdom and for order, for unity and for peace. 
And they are holding out hope that when this someone comes, oh come, oh come, that they will be delivered from these things. But then we get to this refrain that David sang with such gusto. Rejoice, rejoice. Wait. These people are obviously in deep, deep suffering. They are experiencing the valley of the shadow of death in a very real way. Yet they are able to rejoice. And not just have a little bit of joy, but they sing, rejoice, rejoice. And this is an overflow of joy that is evident in their action of singing. It's a visual sign of an inward heart of joy. But how? How can this be possible in their situation of slavery, of captivity and darkness and mourning and gloom and suffering? And this is not just for, um, for the people who wrote this carol. These situations didn't just happen in the past, but they are happening now, today. And I know a lot of us here this morning are probably in seasons of darkness and gloom and suffering. This is very, very real. And as we sing this carol, we sing with generations past in the uh, lament that they had, the lament of the suffering of this world. So how can they rejoice? Because someone is coming to change all of that. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the good news for us today, the good news that you and I can proclaim in our circumstances, in our darkness and in our gloom, is that we can rejoice because that someone has come. He is changing these things and he will come again and he will wipe every tear from your eye. He will do away with sin forever. So I want you to open your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles here. Uh, we're going to be reading from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. And after we read from this, uh, we're going to be tracking through the story of Jesus' birth in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. So don't close your Bibles uh, because, yeah, we'll be coming back to them uh, pretty regularly. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. 
So through this passage, the most astounding thing is declared here. And that is that the birth of this baby is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The birth of this baby is God come to earth to be with you and to be with me. The birth of this baby is not God distant from us. This is not God doesn't understand our circumstances. This is not God far, but this is God near. God with us. Jesus is God with us in the flesh. God has not left us here in this world to work out joy, to work out hope or peace on our own. He has loved us so much that he has come as Emmanuel, God with us. So what reason do we have to rejoice through our suffering? Well, through this carol, through the first two chapters of Matthew, which is where this carol is rooted, there are five things that God has done in becoming Emmanuel. Five things that are true all of the time, no matter your circumstances, and because of that, five reasons that we can rejoice through our suffering. So the first reason that we can rejoice is because Emmanuel will bring salvation from sin. We all sin. The Bible says every single one of us has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all feel the effects of sin on our lives. We don't have to look far before we we see poverty, we see war and fighting, broken relationships, sickness, and the list goes on. But... God in his goodness, in his love and in his mercy has not left us alone in a weary world of sin. So let's read Matthew chapter 1 verses 20 to 21 if you still have your Bibles open. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel. God with us will save his people from their sins. He's not left us alone to find our own way of joy or peace. He's met us here in our sinfulness as the person of Jesus who had no sin. He chose to die to pay the price for sin. He rose again three days later to save us from the penalty and the power of sin in our lives. We've been saved to enjoy life with God, to enjoy Emmanuel, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And this is available to all people. This is something to rejoice about. He will free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to us because he has saved us from our sins. The second reason that we can rejoice in our suffering is because Emmanuel will embody wisdom in a foolish world. As we keep reading in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So this story is actually a fulfilling of a prophecy that happened centuries earlier in the book of Numbers from a wise man named Balaam. People, these these men in this story known as wise men, have said a star is risen 
and they're going to follow it. To any other person, if your neighbour came to you and said, a star's risen, I'm going to go follow it, you'd be like, oh, is that the wisest thing to do? But these men knew of the prophecy from Balaam. They understood what it meant when a star rose. And they, they had a wisdom that came from God. And in obeying this call to follow the star, they walked in that wisdom and experienced the joy of meeting Jesus. The wise men did something that was foolish in the eyes of the world, but wise in God's eyes. And because of this, they experienced overwhelming joy of Jesus. Emmanuel has come and he has revealed God's wisdom to us. He has allowed us to live in his wisdom through giving us Holy Spirit. And by far the the wisest and the most joy-filled way to live is to walk in obedience and wisdom with Emmanuel. Because God is creator, he knows what is best for us. So when we walk in God's wisdom, not the world's, we get to experience fullness of life, freedom, and hope. This is why we can rejoice in our suffering. O come, thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh. To us the path of knowledge show, and cause us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to us. The third reason that we can rejoice is because Emmanuel will unite the nations with joy. We see this in the next part of the story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. It says, After the wise men had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So the wise men from the east, they are now on their way to follow the star to worship Jesus. And I have a question. How many wise men did it say they were? It didn't, did it? How many gifts? Three gifts, but it doesn't say how many wise men. So we can actually assume that this was a multitude of men who had come from a different nation, from the east. So these men were Gentiles, uh, and they were coming for one purpose, to worship the king of the Jews. Because of Jesus, different nations, different tribes, different tongues can come together in unity, filled with joy to worship him. And this is despite their differences. This is a glimpse of what is to come in heaven. Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 7 says a great multitude of every tribe, tongue, every nation will come together to stand before the throne of God and sing worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. What a beautiful picture that is. Come state of origin time, it's about halfway through the year, yep. We have great division in our nation, don't we? (laughs) We have the Blues supporters, Got a couple. (laughs) And we have Maroon supporters. 
yeah. Have you ever been in a room watching State of Origin with one person from each side who are passionate about the game? <laughs> Have you ever been in a room with two people who oppose uh, on opposing teams? It can get pretty heated. There's yelling at the ref, there's standing up, there's pointing at the TV. Right? This, this passion, this division, is caused by a game. <laughs> there are far greater, far bigger issues in our world today that cause great division amongst us. And because a lot of these divisions, because of these divisions, unity amongst our neighbours, let alone nations, seems nearly impossible. And yet, Emmanuel will unite the nations, not with joy, uh, sorry, not with bitterness or passivity, but with joy. Who else can do this? Who else can bring people from every nation together in peace? And not only together in peace, but united in one voice, in one picture of joy. Only Emmanuel can do this. And this is why we can rejoice. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease and be our king of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to us. So the next part of the story is in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13. It says, When they'd gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. They were in danger. And the Lord, in his wisdom, warned them of this danger, and in obedience they obeyed, and they were delivered from captivity of King Herod. This is a picture of what Emmanuel has done for us. And this is our fourth reason to rejoice. Emmanuel will deliver our souls from slavery. For all who trust in Jesus, you are free from slavery. You are free from sin's power in your life. You are free from the sentence of death. You are free from Satan's tyranny. And tyranny means a cruel and oppressive governance. And Satan is a cruel and oppressive governance. But he does not rule our lives if we trust in Jesus. You are free. You are free not because of anything that you have done, not because of your own efforts or your own works, but you are free because Jesus, through his life, death and resurrection, has paid for your release. Emmanuel has ransomed you who are captive to your sin. You are now free from slavery to enjoy life with Jesus. So we rejoice. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. He has ransomed the captive, and we no longer have to mourn in lonely exile because our hope is in heaven. So the final reason to rejoice is that Emmanuel will heal your deepest hurts. So let's keep reading in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. 
When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the wise men, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was said through our prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is an awful end to a story. This is a horrific event in a community. Can you imagine if something like this happened in our church community or in Bracken Ridge? But the story doesn't end here. If we keep reading in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, which is where this prophecy is from, the Lord then says to Rachel, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded. They will return from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. God says, weep no more because hope is coming. Your children will return to their own land. This awful event is not the end of the story. Why? Because Emmanuel will come and he will heal all of your hurts. Now, I don't think that this declaration from the Lord would have taken away Rachel's grief. I don't think it would have changed her circumstances necessarily or fixed her situation. But it would have given her hope. Hope to push forward in her weary days and hope that she will one day see her children again. The reality is that today we are still suffering. We still experience suffering. But the truth is that if we trust in God, this suffering is not forever. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. He will heal every sickness. He will cure every disease. He will deal with sin and its effects on our lives once and for all. This is the hope to cling to because your deepest hurts, the hurts that you are going through right now, the hurts that you have gone through, the hurts that you will go through in the, uh, in the future. God will heal them. Emmanuel, God with us, is not distant from us. He is a God that through Jesus knows and understands our hurt and our pain because he has experienced them. When he came to earth, he experienced death, he experienced sorrow, he experienced suffering. He is God who understands and he hasn't left us hopeless. So in our times of of suffering and of hardships, we need to look back at this truth. Emmanuel has come. He has claimed victory over sin and death. He has made joy possible and through him all of your hurts will be healed. Emmanuel, God with us. He has come and he will come again and he will do away with sin forever. This is the hope that we cling to and this is what we have to look forward to. 
Emmanuel, he has come to cheer our spirits, to disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to us. So these are the five things that God has done in becoming Emmanuel. Five things that that are true all of the time, no matter your circumstances, and five reasons that we can rejoice through our suffering. Emmanuel will bring salvation from sin. Emmanuel will embody wisdom in a foolish world. He will unite nations with joy. He will deliver souls from slavery and he will heal your deepest hurts. And just as I invite the worship team to come back up now, you might resonate with the people of this carol. You might be experiencing season of captivity, of mourning or loneliness, gloom and darkness. Maybe you are waiting for wisdom. Maybe you're waiting for peace and for hope. But the good news is that God has come through Jesus. He has brought freedom. He has brought rejoicing. He's brought contentment and community, joy and light. He has brought wisdom and peace and hope. And when he comes back, he will do away with sin and death completely. This is our reason to rejoice. And this is why we can praise God in our seasons of suffering. What a profound truth this carol declares. What a message of hope to share at Christmas time in a world that so desperately needs to hear this message. This carol has become a song that I will store away um, and and listen to in my weary days. And I hope um, and pray that it is the same for you. And I urge you to rejoice, rejoice, because Emmanuel has come to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in our in our weary days of sorrow and suffering, Lord, that you meet us there, that you know and you understand what we are going through because you are God with us, you are Emmanuel. We thank you that we can come to you in these times, that you listen, you hear, you understand. And God, we thank you for for our reasons to rejoice, Lord. We thank you for what you have done through Jesus, what you are doing and what you continue to do and will do in the future. And God, through our suffering and sorrow, we lament that this is the way um, our world is. But God, we hold on to hope. Hope that you come and you will do away with this altogether. So God, give us strength in our weakness. Give us peace in our sorrow. Give us hope in our mourning. In your name, amen.